Welcome to the Legally Speaking podcast powered by Kasoon Carr. I'm your host, Rob Hanna. This week, I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by Georgie Twig, MBE. Georgie is an associate in the sports team at the law firm Bird and Bird in London. Prior to this, Georgie had a highly successful hockey sporting career playing as a midfielder for England and Great Britain from 2010 to 2016. In that time, Georgie achieved so much, including a gold medal at the Rio 2016 Summer Olympics, a gold at the 2015 European Championships, a silver at the 2014 Glasgow Commonwealth Games, silver with Great Britain at the 2012 Champions Trophy in Argentina, bronze with England in the 2010 Commonwealth Games in Delhi, scoring the winning goal in the bronze medal match, bronze medal with England in 2010 Argentina World Cup, bronze medal at 2012 Summer Olympics, and she was also named England's Hockey Young Performance Player in 2010, 2011, 2012 and 2013, and made her international debut in 2010 Champions Trophy and was the youngest player in GB 2012 Olympic squad. So that is a hell of an introduction. So a very big welcome, Georgie. Hi there. Wow. How do I follow that? (laughs) (laughs) Just suck it all up. Take it all in. Take it all in. I I, I bet that felt very, very good listening to all of your achievements today. Um, But before we go through all of your amazing sporting achievements and what you're achieving in the legal world nowadays, we must start with our customary open question on the Legally Speaking podcast, which is, on the scale of one to 10, 10 being very real, how real would you rate the hit series Suits in terms of its reality on the scale of one to 10? I'd probably say about four <laughs> in terms of my experience. So fairly, fairly low. Yeah, I think a lot of um, people that are practicing the law say, look, this is Hollywood, but it's rarely getting above five these days. So I think four is a, <laughs> is, is a fair score. So, so look, you have achieved so, so much throughout your career, but let's start at the beginning. Tell us a bit about your family background and, and upbringing first. Yeah, I mean, I was very lucky um, to have a really supportive family and, and a very sporty family. So, um, you know, it was kind of every single day after school doing some different kind of sporting activity and parents acting as a taxi service. So I grew up in, in Lincolnshire. Um, and yeah, as, as I said, I kind of played a whole variety of sports. So it wasn't wasn't hockey in particular at first. I just loved being active and I'm a very competitive person. So um, I love sport and particularly team sports. So, yeah, that's kind of kind of where it all started. OK, and just talk us through a bit of your sporting career before moving into into the law. Did you did you always want to be a, a, a hockey athlete? You mentioned that you did lots of different sports. I went off to Repton School um, at 13 and I started to get really into hockey then. And we had an ex-GB player as our coach. Uh, and that's kind of where my my focus turned towards hockey. And I had to stop playing netball because I was I played club at the weekends, um, which was in the term when you normally play netball. And then, yeah, it kind of escalated from there, really. I got into the England under-16s and then kind of progressed through the age groups at the at the junior international level. And I think, you know, there's always that pipe dream of going to an Olympic Games, but but it always feels very, very far off. And if I'm honest, I, I think I probably never thought I was quite good enough to make it. So it didn't really start to become become a real, real, you know, target until I kind of trialed with the seniors in 2010. And, and that's when I sort of started to realise that, oh, actually, maybe this this could happen. Yeah, no. And are you just being modest there that you thought it would never happen? You said you thought you're never good enough. I mean, what kind of made you have those doubts? Well, no, it really was true. I think um, 
I'm not particularly fast and the game I mean the game has got faster and faster so I think I always worried that 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 would hold me back um but thankfully I kind of managed to sort of get myself well placed in the in the midfield and kind of use my skills in a, in a different way um rather than relying on pure raw speed which obviously a lot of our forwards do but yeah no so I, I really you know honestly didn't think that I really, really could go all, all the way. Um, and it kind of wasn't until I was in the senior squad training towards 2012 that I thought, oh, actually, you know, I, I could do this. Yeah. And tell us about then some of your highlights from playing in an Olympics Games and, and, and World Cups. I mean, they're, they're fantastic achievements. So tell us about some of your highlights from the Olympic Games. I mean, obviously, Rio was, was unbelievable in terms of, of winning the gold medal. But I must say that London 2012 was just the most incredible experience. You know, for me, it was obviously my first Olympic Games, but competing on a home stadium, you know, in front of a packed crowd full of British fans was just something that I will never, ever forget. I mean, I still get goosebumps now thinking about stepping out onto that pitch for the first game. And I remember my heart was pounding <laughs> so hard. Um, but it was just, it, it was unbelievable. And obviously, you know, to come away with a medal and stand on a podium in your own country was was just incredible. But, you know, for me, generally, when, when I was an athlete, I loved the tournaments. As I said, I'm, I'm competitive. So the training was okay. It was, it was a bit of a grind at times. And, you know, we got worked very, very hard by our coaches. But the reason I did all that was because I just loved the, the buzz and thrill of, of playing in high-level matches and tournaments and, and that sort of competitive edge that comes with, with being part of a team in, in a tournament. Um, and particularly playing in countries like Holland and Argentina was amazing because they have such a big hockey following. So the, the World Cup in 2010 in Argentina... I remember we played Argentina in one of the group games and I kid you not, the, the stands were shaking because the fans were jumping up and down and, and way more outgoing than the British fans can be sometimes. Um, but it was amazing just to be, to be a part of that and that atmosphere. Wow, yeah, it must just be absolutely incredible. And I love the fact that you kind of relate back to the... Uh to the London as well, because I was actually um, got tickets to see quite a lot of the games. Unfortunately, I didn't get to see you guys, but I, I just loved every minute of those games on the home turf. It must have been amazing just kind of lifting a medal and getting on the podium for that. And how does it feel to have MBE next to your name? Yeah, it's, it's a bit surreal, to be honest. And, and you know, I don't, I, I, I don't use it, all, obviously, all the, all the time. Um, but, I mean, it was a really, really special moment. And I think particularly for me, it was because we were able to take our family and, you know, a lot of the celebrations after Rio was with the team and in London, you know, attending various events. But going to Buckingham Palace and being able to take my parents with me who had been through that whole journey, you know, the ups and downs of, of being an athlete and um, selections and injuries. And they were out in Rio for the whole two weeks as well. So, you know, for them to come and, and, and be part of that and, you know, come into the palace was amazing. And that, and that's what made it really, really special. Ah, oh, that's, that's brilliant. Did the Queen give you your medal? And Prince William. Uh-huh. And it was nice, actually, because Prince William and Kate had been to a training session of ours in 2012. And because Duchess of Cambridge used to play hockey at school, so she's quite a fan of hockey. Um, so it was really nice that he he gave it to me and he even sort of said a few words about watching the game and stuff. So, so that was really nice. 
Yeah. And just on then, um, as a sort of athlete commission member for the um, the British Olympic Association, tell us more about that sort of responsibility and, and what it sort of involves. Yeah, I think it's really important nowadays that sort of governing bodies, sporting organisations and federations are connected with their athletes. And, you know, athletes' voices are heard. And I think previously it, it, there's been that gap there. I've really enjoyed being part of the, the BOA's Athlete Commission group. You know, we meet quarterly and we sort of act as that go-between between the BOA and the athletes. Um, and obviously it's a challenge sometimes trying to reflect all athletes' opinions. But, you know, it's, it's been a really, really interesting role um, and something, you know, that I've really enjoyed and, and hoped to continue and hope we can still, you know, make, make an impact with it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and we could talk for sport for hours, but we must kind of transition <laughs> over to your, your your sort of more day to day now. So let's start at the beginning with that. What sparked your interest in wanting to transition into the law following your sporting career? Well, if I, it's a bit corny. The, my first sort of interest in law came at school when I was um, I was studying Cicero in my Latin class um, and it just sort of piqued a real interest so from there I kind of sought out doing work experience speaking to solicitors and barristers and that's when I kind of decided that I wanted to study law so I went off to Bristol University studying law there and yeah and that's kind of when whilst I was there I um, applied for training contracts and was lucky enough to to get one with with Bird and Bird but obviously as as you may know luck as luck can I have it I at that point, whilst I was at university, I got asked to go and train with the, with the GB team that were training full time to book towards 2012. And I had two years left of my, my law degree, one year left, sorry, of my law degree. So obviously, this is quite a difficult dilemma because the girls are training full time at Bisham Abbey. And I wanted to finish my law degree because I knew that it was important. You know, ho- hockey was never going to last forever. And obviously, setting myself up for afterwards was very important to me. Um, so Bristol University were absolutely fantastic. They allowed me to split my final year over two years, recording all of my lectures and tutorials and seminars, which I know now is a given <laughs> during the current crisis, but back then just wasn't done. So yeah, so I'd be at Bisham training Monday to Thursday and would just go back to the university on a Friday and just do everything else remotely. So I was very lucky that I was able to then complete my degree in 2012. And throughout that, obviously, I had to, to keep Bird and Bird informed. I then did my LPC after university for a year. And then I decided that actually I wanted to um, pursue going on to, to Rio. So I went in and spoke to, to Bird and Bird and they were fantastic. They were very happy for me to defer my start date for my training contracts. And so they, they allowed me to defer until September 2016. Um, which was just amazing because it took the pressure off whilst I was training full time about worrying what I was going to do after, which I know is obviously a very difficult thing for athletes when they transition out of a full time sporting career. So I was very lucky that that the University Amber and Bird were so supportive of that. Yeah, no, and that's great. And it's amazing how you managed to manage it all. But was it hard? I mean, it all sounds like it, you know, that sounds great, but I can imagine it was pretty difficult along the way trying to kind of engineer all of those um those moves? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't easy at, at all um, at times. But I think for me, it was that the hockey gave me a structure. So I kind of knew when I needed to work and when I needed to revise. Um, and I couldn't afford to kind of dawdle and waste time. And I probably ended up getting things done in advance rather than waiting until the last minute, just because I couldn't because of hockey. Um, so I think the two did help one another. And I think also the 
hockey can be very intense and you know with with selection and training and tournaments can be so intense so actually having that escape out of it with with going back to Bristol and studying that kind of gave me a balance between the two but yes I'm not gonna lie I remember revising for my last exam two weeks before Olympic selection and and that was certainly difficult to concentrate (laughs) yeah I can imagine just a bit so you know, and then fast forward, you did get onto the, the training contract with Bird and Bird. And as a trainee, you completed a comment with the FA within their legal and governments team. Do you want to tell us a bit more about that experience? Yeah, no, it's, it was a, a great experience. You know, we're very lucky that um, we I had the opportunity to do my sports seat with three months at the FA and three months within the sports team at Bird and Bird. And, um, you know, it's just it's really interesting to go and see it from the client side. Um, and obviously, being you know, a love for sports, it was great being involved in the FA, seeing how everything is run. The legal team is is huge, and there's obviously various different sections for you know on field disputes and safeguarding. Um, so it was great to get involved in all various dis- different aspects of the organisation, and then also learn you know from a from a client's point of view what they are wanting from from their from their legal counsel. Yeah, no, absolutely, and. You mentioned you, you obviously managed to get a training contract with, with Bird and Bird. Why, obviously, Bird and Bird are very well known um, in the sports law world generally. But yeah, why, why did you personally choose Bird and Bird? And were you considering other firms as well? Obviously, as you said, the, the sports law reputation drew me there initially. So obviously, it, it was natural that I kind of looked into them when I was at university. But the main thing really is the culture that the firm has. And it's something I still um, feel very lucky to, to be at a firm that has such a fantastic culture and you know they they really do care about your life and what's going on outside of work and I think that's visible to people outside of the firm and it certainly was to me when when I was applying so yeah so it was certainly my first choice and I was very lucky that that I managed to get in. Yeah well congratulations again and so tell us more then about you know Georgie day-to-day now so what tell us more about your day-to-day practice as a sports lawyer? So our sports um, law team at Burn and Bird is split into two. So we have the commercial side and the regulatory side, and I sit on the commercial side. Um, so, you know, we kind of work across a broad range of things, but for example, sponsorship agreements, broadcast contracts, um, media rights. Uh, and yeah, you know, we've, we're very lucky. We've got some amazing clients. We tend to work more on the governing bodies, clubs, federations, um, side rather than the actual individual athletes, and yeah, it's been it's been fascinating to to get involved in work with such interesting clients. And yeah, no, I'm very lucky to be part of such a, a great team. Yeah, and and sports law probably sounds very exciting to many of our listeners listening in, and and rightly so. But what do you most enjoy um, about uh, your sports law practice? I think for me, it's it's the clients and the subject matter of of what you're doing. So. You know, as someone who is passionate about sport and obviously have have the background with it, it's being able to relate to to your clients and, and understand the kind of the problems that they're experiencing. And that's what's been really interesting for me. Um, and and sort of seeing it, seeing it from an from an athlete's perspective, but also because I've because I have got a genuine interest in in what they're doing. Um, and that's what I'd say to, to anyone in law. You know, just when you're a trainee and you're deciding what area of law you want to go into it makes life so much easier and makes your day job much more enjoyable if you are genuinely interested in what what you're working on and, and the clients that you're working with 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I think because you are invested and there's a lot of hard work and a lot of hours that go into it, I think that's a really good tip um, for lawyers thinking about sort of getting into areas that they, they probably should be passionate about. Do you think coming from your sporting background, that's helped you in your legal career? And if so, why? That's a, a tricky one. I think, you know, obviously my sporting background helps in terms of my interest and knowledge in, in the sporting world. I think it potentially assists in terms of the relationship with clients and, and building relationships with clients when you've kind of got experience, firsthand experience. Um, but I think, you know, I'm, I'm not naive to the fact that that's probably as far as it goes and you know there's i'm still learning as a, as a lawyer and and i know that there's a huge amount that it probably has no impact on the fact you know that i've got a sporting background um but i think it certainly helps in terms of the industry that i'm working in yeah no fair enough and that's that's good for you to be quite open and transparent around that and you you've obviously achieved the highest pinnacle in sport um and perhaps nothing does quite compare to to winning a gold medal, but what would you say has been your greatest legal achievement or experience today that you look back on very proudly? Oh gosh. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I think I think probably completing my training contract and securing a spot in the sports team. So I think knowing and getting offered that job um, in the sports team was definitely the highlight so far. Yeah, I understand you do still play hockey. So where do you tend to play <laughs> nowadays, and what does that look like? Yeah, so I still play um, at my club at Surbiton Hockey Club. So I'm very lucky that I'm still still able to do that quite often late for training midweek, um, running out of the office. Um, but I think it's been it's been really important to me still being able to do that and obviously have matches at the weekends. And it gives me, you know, as I said before, like a nice balance between work and, and still being able to play. And I still get to play with some of the girls that are in the current current squad. So yeah, so I don't, I don't think I've lost it just yet. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff. Never lose it. Talent never fades. Um, <laughs> Let's hope. <laughs> and what advice would you give to maybe aspirational lawyers, given your unique uh, journey into the law? I think you know, as I said earlier, sort of pursuing what you're interested in, because as you said, you know, your your work and particularly being a lawyer can end up taking up so much of your time. And if you're not, not genuinely interested and passionate in, in what you're doing, then you're not going to be as invested in it and want to work as hard um, for the clients. So definitely for me, it would be pursuing something that you're genuinely interested in. Yeah. And in terms of um, away from hockey and away from the law, what, what do you tend to do for, for, for downtime? You mentioned, obviously, Ben has got a great culture, but yeah, what do you tend to get up to for, for downtime? You know, as, as probably a lot of people, it's seeing friends, seeing family, being active. I like reading. <laughs> um, so yeah, so nothing, nothing majorly different. And also, I love, I love cooking. So uh, it's been nice, particularly having a bit more time during, during lockdown to, to, to do a bit more cooking. Because obviously, normally, midweek, it's quite, it's quite difficult to do that. So normal things, <laughs> as, as most people like to do. And in terms of your 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 career, as I mentioned, you hit the pinnacle um, of gold medals in, in in the hockey world. What for, for for legal? Do you see yourself wishing to be a partner one day in a law firm, or what what, what are you sort of striving for with, from your legal side of things? Do you know what? I think it's it's quite hard to tell at the moment. I think um, I still feel very much in the in the early stages of my career. So for me right now, in terms of sort of setting goals, it's it's just sort of keep developing my legal knowledge um 
sort of climbing up up the ladder and hopefully you know keep improving and I, I think probably I haven't really set that long-term goal just just yet just because I kind of feel like I'm still still in the early stages of my career. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, from from our side, Georgie, we've really enjoyed having you on. I think sort of talking through your journey and what you've achieved from a sporting and now transitioning into the into the legal sector and doing so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Congratulations on all of your sort of successes to date. We wish you lots of continued success in your legal career and we'll perhaps no doubt see you feature again on the podcast in, in the near future. But from our side, uh, thank you very much. Oh, well, thank, thank you. And thank you for having me. It's been great.